Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Thank you for listening to The Baptist Pulpit. Our featured speaker for today is Dr. David Brown. He pastors the First Baptist Church of Oak Creek, Wisconsin. Dr. Brown trusted Christ as his Savior from listening to his Sunday school teacher. His Sunday school teacher had a curriculum, but it was more liberal, and so the Sunday school teacher tossed the liberal curriculum and started going through the Book of Romans with with his class. And as a result, conviction came to his heart. And in his bedroom, he called upon the name of the Lord and was saved. Dr. Brown attended a secular university for a little while and then went on to Bible college and seminary. He has a few degrees, and one of those is a Ph.D. in history. He uh, began, through that degree, uh, collecting artifacts uh, in regards to the Bible and the King James issue. And he has one of the most extensive collections, and he travels uh, going around to churches showing that collection. He's married to Linda, uh, his wife. They were married in 1969. And he's been preaching at First Baptist Church in Oak Creek, Wisconsin, since 1979. Pray that the message will be a blessing to you here today. Galatians chapter 2, Galatians and then Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Uh, a bunch of the little epistles that are in there. We're in Galatians chapter 2. And I want to uh, back up to Galatians 2 and um, verse uh, 16. Uh, read that through uh, down to, I think, think about verse, uh, verse 21. We'll do that. And here's what it says in Galatians 2. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, uh, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I want to talk about that in just a minute. There's so many religions that teach you that you get to heaven by your works. How many besides me were ever associated with a religion like that? A number of us were. Uh, that, that's the common teaching that, that you somehow God is going to weigh your good works on one side and your bad works on the other side. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, then you'll go to heaven. And if your bad works outweigh Uh, If your your good works outweigh your bad works, you'll go to heaven. That's a lie, and it it starts right out explaining that, knowing this, that a man, a man or woman, boy or girl, uh, it's talking about mankind, a man is not justified by the works of the law. Uh, We know from reading in James chapter 2, verse 10, 
that uh, you can keep the whole Ten Commandments and yet offend in one point, and you know what the Bible says? You're guilty of all. Why? Um, I forgot to bring my chain this evening, but I like to use the chain illustration. I have a 10-link chain. It's out in the garage, but you hold up the 10-link chain. And let's just say uh, that you were uh, uh, hooked on a 10-link chain, and you were being held over the Grand Canyon, and it's 300 feet down. There's 10 links on that chain. How many of them have to break before you crash down? Just one, just one. Uh, the law was never designed to save people. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 now, in verse 24. We'll come back to Galatians 2, but Galatians chapter 3 and verse 24, it says, uh, Wherefore, by, uh, the law, wherefore, the law was a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Um, a schoolmaster back in those days, when we're talking about in, in the New Testament times, the Apostle Paul, a schoolmaster was a servant who would take the young student by the hand and lead him to the teacher. And what this is saying is that the law uh, couldn't save anybody, but the law would lead you to Jesus Christ, the teacher. Uh, and, and that's exactly what happened. What the law showed us was the same thing it showed me when I was driving down Howell Avenue the other day and saw a speed limit sign that said 45 and I'm doing 53. The 45 is the law. And I looked at the 53 and I am breaking the law. And the law, the Ten Commandments, uh, it very clearly shows us that we are lawbreakers and we are sinners and there is only way, one way to have that be remedied and that remedy is Jesus Christ. So all these churches that are around here who are uh, teaching you, I, I remember being taught that um, if you, know, you do your best to keep the Beatitudes and that's the way to heaven. That, that's not the truth of the matter at all. Um, as we get back to uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, knowing that a man is not justified, a man is not declared not guilty by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. You see, what you need to do with Jesus Christ is what it says, even we have believed. Now, there's a lot of people who don't really understand what, um, what believe means, and we've talked about this a little bit before, but uh, we read in the scriptures, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, what do you have to believe? Well, uh, there has to be an understanding that uh, Jesus Christ was a real person, that Jesus Christ was the son of God and that Jesus Christ died for your sins. You can understand that Jesus Christ in, that was the son of God and that he died for your sins and uh, that, there, that he, uh, he died on the cross of Calvary. Uh, but uh, having an, a knowledge of those facts does not save you. 
You see, it has to, biblical belief goes further than that. Biblical belief is agreeing that those facts are true. Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Jesus Christ lived a perfect life. Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, and he rose again from the dead. That's an acknowledgement that those facts are true, but you're still not there because you have not personalized it. There must be a, as people call it, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the point when we recognize that not only was Jesus Christ a, a, a historical person, not only was he what the Bible says he was, but I need him in my life. And that's where we believe the Bible, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord personally, have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it tells us in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. There's a lot of people who have an intellectual understanding of who Jesus Christ was. They even agree that that's okay, but they've never had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you haven't had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, then you're in big trouble. You need to go the rest of the way. You need to have a personal encounter with Christ. You need to personally pray and ask Jesus Christ to forgive your sins, save your soul, and come into your life. And that's what all this is talking about, is good works just aren't going to do it. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. We have believed, we even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It says, if, but if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, uh, we ourselves are found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. I mean, you can't be saved till you recognize that you're lost. Uh, for if I uh, build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through, uh, I, through the law, am dead uh, to the law that I might live unto God. And then what we'll be looking at this evening, I am crucified with Christ. Uh, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If righteousness would come by your works, if righteousness would come by keeping the law, there was no need for Jesus Christ to die. So the outline, our position in Christ, once we come to know Christ as Savior, the power of Christ and the provision of Christ. Um, our, our past uh, position in Christ, I am crucified with Christ. Um, many believers don't have any idea what this little phrase is talking about. I want to explain it a lot of a lot of people I remember at camp, uh, you know, they um, uh, take a little faggot, light it, and throw it in a fire, and, and uh, uh, 
Uh, they want to live the crucified life. That's not what this verse is talking about at all. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. And this is just one word in my Greek New Testament. And I'll explain this in a minute, but it is in the perfect tense. The word in this sense means that it's a past completed action, a once for all action, which never needs to be repeated. And it has present finished results. When you get saved, you are crucified with Christ. That happened a long time ago because when Jesus Christ died on the cross, all of our sins were on the cross there with him. Note the word with. Paul says he died with Christ. That's, that's because all of his sins were there. Paul died to the law because the context is the law. People trying to make themselves saved by keeping the law. And Paul, boy, was he a law keeper before he got saved. His Saul of Tarsus, uh, I mean, he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, he was a Pharisee. He was educated at the feet of Gamaliel. And um, as touching the law, it says he was perfect. He had done all the legal stuff. He had done all the religious stuff. Uh, but Paul... When he encountered Jesus Christ, he recognized that all his personal works were as filthy rags. Paul died to the law with Christ on the cross. The works of the law, as we've explained, cannot save. If a person offends in one point, as James 2.10 says, they're guilty of all, therefore... The death of Christ on the cross brought extinction to the law. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law in Romans 10.4. I love this. Romans 10.4 says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes, to everyone that believeth. When a person comes to know Christ as their own Savior, in retrospects, all their sins have been nailed to his cross. Uh, turn to um, Colossians. It's, it's one that you know, and if you don't want to turn there, just let me read Colossians 2.14 for you. Uh, it's, it's going back a, a little bit. It says, buried with him by baptism, uh, wherein also uh, uh, we are risen through faith, the operation of God um, hath raised us from the dead. And then we read in, in Colossians 2, it says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, all your trespasses, all your past trespasses, all your present trespasses, all your future trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. When we were under the law, we never could make it because we were offenders of the law and we'd always break the law, but blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to it, and then I love this, took it out of the way, 
nailing it to his cross. Whew. You know, it was there on the cross of Calvary that my old nature, my old man was crucified with him. Romans chapter 6 and verse 6 says, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now there's a misunderstanding about what destroyed means. In the Greek, uh, katargio, it means to render idle, to render inactive, to render inoperative. Now, I have a very powerful motorcycle at home. Uh, it is 1,500 cc's. It is a six-cylinder motorcycle. I can go from zero to 80 in lickety-split, but Linda, I seldom do that. Um, <laughs> so... But the situation is, um, when I took the motorcycle out of storage, I'm trying to start it. It's a powerful motorcycle, 1,500 cc, six cylinders. Wouldn't start. You know why? It was rendered inactive because there was no power. You know what the power is in that motorcycle? Gasoline. It doesn't run on air. <laughs> and that's what it's talking about. Uh, uh, we still have an old nature, but the Lord Jesus Christ has deprived our old nature of power. Uh, no longer... Are we in the dominion of darkness? Amen, amen. We've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. And while the old nature is there, the only way. Now, the old nature, the old devil still says, I want to be in control. I want to be in control. I want to be in control like I used to. But it's been rendered inoperative. And unless we give place to the devil... That, that was, it has to be our move because the Lord Jesus Christ rendered it inoperative. Unless we give place to the devil, it's like that 1,500cc uh, motorcycle with no gas. It's no gas. There's no goal. Um, uh, so, you know, though our old nature has not been eradicated, um, our personal crucifixion with Christ that happened way back there, but is currently operating now, our old nature has been deprived of power. Problem is, is I feed my old nature too much. See, it has no power, but you can put gas in the tank. You can't put gas in the tank. Um, when Christ was crucified, all of our sins, the whole body of them were laid upon him, and he bore them, and he took them away, and made an end of them. All our sins received their mortal wound by his crucifixion and death so that they will never be able to have damning power over us. Amen. Therefore, we have power not to let sin have dominion over this. 
that is our position in Christ in the past. Now, let's look at our present position. Nevertheless, Galatians 2.20 says, Nevertheless, I live. It's true, uh, the believer is dead in Christ. Our old nature, dead to sin. We can say no to sin, and we should. But we also, we also are alive. The little word translated alive is in the present tense. And that means I am alive today. <clears throat> I am alive tomorrow. I'm alive for as long as I have life in breath. It's a repeated, continuous action. This is a reference to our spiritual life and our new natures. Uh, we have a new nature. We have the mind of Christ. We can think what Christ thinks. You say, how is that possible? Well, we have the word of God, right? Uh, and and uh, moment by moment, we have the quickening power of the Holy Spirit. We have a new transformed life in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Romans 6 and verse 11 says, Likewise. Reckon, that's consider, add it all up. Likewise, reckon ye yourselves also uh, dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, before we were saved, we had real no aptitude toward God, no capacity for God. But once we are saved, he lives and he lives in us. Uh, we have a strong desire for fellowship with God and uh, to follow his ways. And if you don't have a desire to fellowship with God, and if you don't have a desire to follow his ways, uh, perhaps you should check out your salvation. Examine yourself whether you're in the faith or not. Uh, I, I, I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> Uh, I, look, I look forward to fellowship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, I get excited about, uh, uh, you know, you get a little bit antsy at first when you start knocking on doors, but um, you're carrying words of life that have eternal ramifications. And each time we share the gospel, uh, we think of, uh, and, and we pray, come to know this because there are eternal ramifications. If you believe this, you'll not end up in a Christless eternity in hell if you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this week, I always feel bad when they do that. When I knocked on the door, a guy came to the door and started to tell him and, uh, if I could give him a gospel packet, and he said, not interested not interested, not interested. Man, this can transform your life. Uh, our present position, nevertheless I live. Now here's the deal. When it's talking about nevertheless I live, you know how long that means? Eternity. Because when we take our last breath, it's only appointed unto us once to die. 
That's it, just once. When we take our last breath, as our current position, nevertheless I live, we will live on with the Lord Jesus Christ for eternity. Like it says in the last stanza in our uh, hymn books of Amazing Grace, when we've been dead 10,000 years, speaking of earthly dead, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing his praise than when we first begun. Because we're with the Lord after 10,000 years. Uh, I like that other song, when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. Man, oh man, I, the time... Everything that got packed into the week for myself, for my family, uh, for the Hoffmans, for all, all. Boy, in one sense, I'm looking forward to the fact when time shall be no more and we're in the presence of the Lord. You know why? No more death. No more sorrow. No more crying. And forever we'll be with the Lord who loved us and bought us with a price. Well, let's look at the power of Christ. Contrary to the way some Christians believe, uh, the life of Christ is about him and not me. I want you to think about that. The Christian life is really about him and not me. There are two things, there are two key things that energize the Christian's life. First one is the power of his resurrection. It says Christ in Galatians 2.20, Christ liveth. The resurrection is the cornerstone of Christianity. If, we, if there was no resurrection, friends, if there was no resurrection, um, there would be no power to live the Christian life and we'd still be dead in our trespasses and sin. Romans 1.14 says that Jesus Christ was declared to be the Son of God with dunamis, with power. And that word power there means intrinsic, inherent power and ability. This is who Jesus Christ is. He is power. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's what? Power in the blood. Uh, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. I love the song that we sing sometimes. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. I've lived long enough. I've seen kooks. Uh, that claim to have power to raise people from the dead. I remember one guy, um, he was trying to, he told people I, he could raise this guy from the dead, so he is there 
two weeks waiting to raise this guy from the dead. Um, let me just tell you, after a body is unembalmed and lays around for two weeks, it's uh, worse than <laughs> it's worse than Lazarus by now. It really stinketh. Um, yet Jesus Christ was different. Jesus Christ said, I have the power to lay down my life, and I have the power to raise it again. And he did. Remember the Pharisees. They knew, but they were, you're going to destroy this temple, and you're going to raise it up again in three days. <laughs> Mocked him. Who ended up having egg on their face? The Pharisees did, because... Up from the grave he arose. There is no power like the resurrection power from the dead unless it's the creation power of the universe. And it doesn't matter because by him were all things created that are in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. All things were created by him. All things were created for him. And he is powerful. Amen? Intrinsically powerful. The power of the resurrection. If we'll look at Romans chapter 6, verse 19, or Romans chapter 6, 9 through 13. Know that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Never to die again. You know, he raised a lot of humans from the dead. Even in the Old Testament, some humans were raised from the dead. But you know what happened? They died again. But I've told you this. Christ was raised to immortality, never to die again. You know what? That's first fruits. You know who's going to... Experience the same thing as Jesus Christ raised to immortality. If you're a believer, raise your hand because it's going to be you. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Uh, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. Once for all. Uh, in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. And here's this accounting term again. Likewise reckon. Add it all up. Yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can have that resurrection power and then say no to sin. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies, that ye obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members, your eyes, your ears, your hands, your feet. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You don't have to do that in your own power. We don't have to do that in our own power because we're going to look at it. Uh, we have Christ liveth in me. We're coming to that in just a minute. Uh, don't try and do that in your own power. 1 Peter 1.3 says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his abundant mercy, he hath begotten us again. You know what that is? Born again. He's, he's birthed us. Unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 
you are going, I'm, I'm going to wonder what my glorified body is going to be like. Now, I have all kinds of speculation, but I think we're still going to be recognizable because it says we'll know as we are known. I think we'll still be recognizable. Um, and um, what age will we be? I don't know all that kind of stuff, but I am looking for that resurrection. Resurrection power is the energizing power that enables us to live the Christian life. We need to be sure we are plugged into Jesus. How do you get plugged into Jesus? Well, it's by uh, the preaching of God's Word that we're built up. It's by reading God's Word. It's by prayer. It's by fellowship with other believers. You know, um, but there's another key to energizing in the Christian life, and that's the phrase, Christ liveth in me. The power of uh, his residence. The second thing that makes the Christian life possible and productive is that Christ is in the believer, in the person of the Holy Spirit. You've got to have this marked in your Bible, Romans chapter 8, verse 9 through 11. It says, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. It says, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, look at this. If any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, and the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Holy Spirit is there to motivate us, to give us the desire and the power to serve him. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth in, in you, it dwelleth in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken, make alive, energize your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. All the believer's life and energy for Christian living is derived from the Holy Spirit living in us. And there's been times where I've been weary and well-doing, and I pray and ask God to intervene, and somehow, some way, he makes a way when there seems to be no way for me in my own power. All the believer's life and energy for Christian living is derived from his relationship with the powerful Lord Jesus Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Uh, last, uh, well, there's a couple things. The provision of Christ. The rest of the verse says, The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. The life which I now live in the flesh. This is a reference to our mortal bodies. 
The only way to live our daily life is by faith. Christ is the author and the object of our faith. Therefore, the just shall live by faith. You know, I do a lot of things by faith when I don't really know what the outcome's going to be. And that's what you do by faith. I mean, every Thursday, we knock on doors. We don't know what the outcome's going to be. We're, we're, we, we have several people, two people in the church at least, that as a result of the knocking on doors. But, you know, only eternity is going to tell what all that has done. There can be people who we planted water and God give the increase. I mean, when you're teaching the kids, you're doing it by faith. When you're singing in the choir, you're doing it by faith. When you're preaching the word of God, you're doing it by faith. Because you don't know for sure what God's going to do. But the just shall live by faith. You do it even though sometimes I don't understand why we're told to do it. You, you know the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 thing. Say it if you know it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Sometimes I don't know which way to go. But I do have the faith, because God says the steps of a good man are what? Ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Live for the Lord. The cool part about it is, I don't know what tomorrow will bring, but I do know who holds tomorrow. And the Lord can see around the corner when I can't see around the corner. And so uh, we have a supply of faith that the Lord gives us. The truth is that believers do not live upon their own faith, but by faith of and on Christ, which is the object of our faith. We look to Christ for pardon. We look to Christ for righteousness. He is our peace. We look to him for peace. We look to him for joy, for comfort, to supply grace and eternal salvation. And then the second provision of Christ is the sacrifice of his flesh. I just think of the song, the chorus we sing, Oh, how he loves you and me. It says in Galatians chapter 2:20, who loved me and gave himself for me. Why? In that while we were yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. For God so loved the world of humanity that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Uh, I should never forget, you should never forget who and what has purchased our freedom, freedom from guilt, freedom from the penalty of sin, freedom from the power of sin, and I'm looking forward to one day the freedom from the presence of sin because I still have an old nature, and the problem is, even though it's been put in neutral, too often I put it in gear my own self. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. 
For as much as ye know, ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Money can't buy your salvation. The richest man in the world, as I understand it, is Elon Musk. Money can't buy his salvation. Gates is pretty rich. Soros is pretty rich. But you know what? They're depending on their money. And you know what? All of their money, gold and silver, for as, not, as much as you know you've not been redeemed with silver and gold, all of their money isn't going to uh, be able to buy them a drop of cold water in hell. They're not going to be able to take it. They're not going to be able to take it with them. Um, saw a picture of a mail truck in the cemetery, um, and I wonder why it's there. And then I, I just thought, you dummy, uh, election's coming up. They're delivering the ballots to the dead people. So I finally figured out why the, why the mail truck's in the cemetery. But anyway. For as much as you know, you're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. But let's look at the next thing. From your vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers. The Jews were heavy on tradition. The Catholics are heavy on tradition. You can talk about it till your, your vain conversation. You can talk about your traditions until you are blue in the face. But your traditions will not redeem you. So what redeems you? Verse 19 tells us. But with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Praise God for the person and work of Jesus Christ. I trust he's your Savior. And if not, recognize that you're a sinner. And the result of being a sinner is you'll go to a crisis eternity in hell. But Jesus Christ the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, the Lamb without blemish and without spot, died on the cross of Calvary to purchase your pardon. And he did, because he rose again from the dead. And now he offers that pardon to you, a sinner. And if you say, no, I'm not taking your pardon, I'm going to try my money. We already just read what that's worth, nothing. I'm going to try my religious tradition. We already read what that's worth, nothing. The only thing that works is the precious blood of Jesus Christ, and he purchased your pardon, and he's offering it back to you, and you need to receive it. But as many as receive him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Want a dead and lie, dead and alive. Our position, we've been crucified with Christ. We have the power of Christ. We have the provision of Christ.
Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the Word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the Word and hearing the Word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.